All righty, we are welcoming you into this beautiful day here on December 4th, 2023. What a day the Lord has made. What a glorious day it is to be alive in the kingdom of God. This is the day that anything is possible because we serve of God of the impossible. Amen. So how's everybody doing in the room this morning? Miss Gretchen, you doing okay? Amen. Brother Jason, how are you doing? Happy to be here. Miss Hannah, how are you doing? Amen. It's going to be another exciting week here in the kingdom of God and here at the Box 2 Radio Network. Uh, Jim Waters be on with us at 830 today with Bips and telling us a little bit about the state of Kentucky and all that's going on there. Um, Dr. Grady McMurtry uh, from Creation Worldview uh, Ministries will be here tomorrow. And then we've got, of course, Brother Bjork Friday and we're finalizing some guests maybe on th Wednesday and Thursday, Lord willing. So um, it's going to be a great week there. And of course, a lot of Bible discussion. If you have anything you'd like us to discuss, please don't hesitate to get that information to us. We love to discuss any Bible topic you want, answer any Bible question you may have. Um, we enjoy doing that from the bottom of our hearts. So how's hoping, pray, prayerful everybody's weekend out there went awesome and everybody's church service was glory filled and that lives were trans transformed and impacted and um, just really excited for the outpouring of the spirit that God's doing in the earth today and have an expectation of what's next for the body of Christ. So how'd you all, how'd your all's weekend go? I ask you how you're doing right now, but any good food, any good things happen? Oh yeah, it was good. Yeah, mm. we, mm. <laughs> yeah. we uh, went to Lexington <coughs> on Saturday. And um, I took mom to the Christmas Collage. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. at, collage uh, at the college. Yeah, at the <laughs> University, University of Kentucky. So we had, did, we had good food. Sort of had good food. We had, had two days. Yeah. I had good food two days. <laughs> so. We, we didn't have time to finish our, our meal. Uh, what, how do you say the, where were we at? <laughs> Joe Bologna's. <laughs> it looks like Joe Bologna, but uh, he's uh, Italian, so you have to say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Bologna, <laughs> kind of class it up a little bit. So anyway, we took I took uh, I ate half and then ate the other half Sunday for lunch. <laughs> <coughs> well, so, Hannah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go. they they uh, told us it would be about a twenty to thirty minute wait. Mm -hmm. but it was at the end of the University of Kentucky game. And so people just kind of lingered and lingered and lingered <laughs> until the game was over. Mm -hmm. So we were late getting to our seat, which means we were very, very close to uh, time to get to the, the concert. <clears throat> and uh, we basically had to eat our food in a to-go box. <laughs> That's no fun. Yeah, but we—I mean—we had fun. To, I enjoyed it. Yeah, to get <laughs> still enjoyed the food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got my uh, big breadstick. You know, they give you a breadstick. It's in a boat. Yeah, it's <laughs> in a giant. It's it, look, it looks about like one of those, about as long as one of those little bitty bats you get when you go to the Louisville Slugger Museum. That's a big breadstick. It's a big breadstick. <laughs> Did you finish it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you were faithful to and do that, right? It's floating in a, a dish of um, butter and garlic. Yeah. So 
so we probably smell like garlic today. <laughs> it's like in a sea of butter, butter and garlic. Well, so Miss Gretchen brought her big breadstick home. <laughs> no, then, I ate it. I ate it. Oh, you ate yours? With my salad. <laughs> I was going to say she already has a big box of corn uh, cornbread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was set. I had one of it for breakfast this morning. <laughs> With uh, the apple butter, and <laughs> then I had some honey Yeah, from Josh Milburn. <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? No. That's a good breakfast. Cornbread with honey and apple butter. <laughs> I like apple butter. Yeah. It was a good concert, though. Really good. Amazing, yeah. Did they ask you to sing? No, no. I don't think I would have made the cut. It was, um, oh, I, I mean, there was probably, what, 200 maybe different choir members or I thought they said 400. Oh, okay. I heard somebody say 400. It was a bunch. Wow. And Is it all Christmas, right? Yeah. Well, they, they kind of mix in a few things. Like they're, It's um, all different types. Mm-hmm. Like um, my favorite Christmas song, Oh Holy Night, this girl, she was an opera singer. She did that with the choir in the background, or some of the choirs. And then there was a bluegrass band. So did that inspire you to try to learn Oh Holy no, Night in no, Opera? I don't think so. <clears throat> Is that our next taste? I mean, she, it was in English. It wasn't in Italian. But Yeah. But anyway. And I then guess, there was, um, I mean, there was all kinds of th- things. Bluegrass, like I said. And uh, they had sort of a girl that was kind of beatboxing to one of these songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of horns and things like that, you know. And there were some instruments that I had never heard of. That yeah. Amazing. They were percussion instruments, but they played music. <laughs> well, that definitely yeah. sounds interesting yeah, and it fun. Was, it was, but it was, it was very fast-paced uh, movie. And then you have to introduce the one that was there. Elvis was there, too. Oh, yeah, Elvis <laughs> was there. Hmm. Come back from the grave, huh? Yeah. You look kind of young, too. <laughs> young Elvis. College age. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. He did. He did. That's, he said how, that. that's how he finished it. <laughs> I love it. And they they closed with, I mean, it was an African song, mm-hmm. and uh, of course it was didn't understand a single word of it, but uh, it was very good, very very good. Hmm. I would like to know what they said. You know, we d- we did an African song one time, recorded it. Yeah, but we talked about alligators. Right. Mm-hmm. We asked. Uh, Brother Olu, you know, how'd he like it? And he said it was good, you know, except you were praising the alligator instead of praising the Lord. <laughs> oh, gosh. Alligator. <laughs> well, Hannah, I know you didn't feel well this weekend, so you probably didn't have a great weekend. <laughs> Stuck at home yeah. with Ethan. Yeah, it it was good, though. It, it was good to just be able to rest, and then once I was able to get out of the house, I appreciated being with everyone more. <laughs> so. Yep. <clears throat> I didn't know that she was sick. So. Well, we have a couple of announcements to get ready this morning. Of course, if you want to listen live in the Box 2 Radio Network, you can do it at 91.5 Litchfield-Hardsburg, 98.3 Owensboro-Kentucky, 91.1 Highsville-Glasgow, or you can download our radio listening app available on Tithely Church app on your app store, or listen live at Box 2 Radio. That's the number 2 radio.com. To interact with our broadcast, you can text me at 270-230-6337. Again, 270-230-6337. This Friday is the Friday for the drawing for those two adults, three kid tickets to Ark Encounter and generously donated by the car while they also threw in parking. How generous and thoughtful on that. 
And then coming up, not this Friday, but next Friday, December 15th, Pleasant View Baptist Church presents a Christmas cantata. Cherish that name, beginning at 7 o'clock p.m. Me and my wife are fully intending to go to that. Excited for that night. Um, their music department is um, amazing over there. And I'm so, uh, we're going to go and listen to some Christmas music ourselves because we're just Christmas people. We love Christmas. You need to talk of Elvis being there? Um, I'll ask Brother Wells. All right. <laughs> Brother Wells, if you're listening, could you let us know if Elvis is going to be there that night or not? I w- my guess is no, but I don't know. Um, then, of course, our our Christmas play here at Bethel Fellowship, December 13th, beginning at 6 p.m. It's a Wednesday night. Refreshments to follow. Friends and family are encouraged, a fam, uh, invited. Come on out, join, watch these kids. They've been working hard on learning how to sing and move and be a sheep, as Cloud says. And so we asked Cloud the other night, "We gonna be a sheep? What sound do they make?" All right. And so he's getting there. Which at first, when you said you asked him what he was gonna be in the play at home, he'd be like, "Baby Jesus." I said, I don't think you're going to be baby Jesus. He said, yep. <laughs> he was determined to be baby Jesus, <laughs> which he may have, he may be able to pass for, you know, when the wise men come back, <laughs> the realistic Considering size. when the wise men would have seen Jesus, he'd have been probably closer to two or three <laughs> and not a baby. Because Cloud is smaller for his age, but I don't know if he's that small. Um, then, of course, we've got Clarkson Community, December the 9th, free chili soap for and Wax Museum Walkthrough of the Bible. It's going to be so cool. 6 through 8 o'clock p.m., no omission, no charge, reaching out to the community. They want to feed you dessert, chili, and want you to walk through the scenes of the Bible where there are wax figures portraying scenes of the Bible. And so um, I, that just sounds so cool to me. What day is that again? December the 9th, uh, this Saturday. It'll be this Saturday night. And then, of course, continue to pray for Todd Mingus uh, for the Box 2 Radio Network. He's the co-host of the bilingual program on Thursday night, 830. Hope for today. For us, he's a dear brother in the body of Christ and a huge part of our ministry here. Him and his lovely wife, Miss Sue. Sorry, bad radio sneezing. (laughs) I couldn't help it. Um, He's in Honduras right now. He's been keeping me updated on some pictures. And uh, last night he texted me, uh, let's see, about 8.51 p.m. And he said, a big scorpion just came out from under my bed. Squash scorpion now. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, he he showed me some pictures of some concrete they helped pour in the church. Uh, He showed me some of the jungle pictures and the boats they were taking up the river. Um, he was, he said, everything is going great with a powerful service the other night. And we spent all day yesterday putting a concrete floor in the new Jerusalem church in Banco Grande across the river from Nicaragua. Um, and so just really seems to be, um, God's doing amazing things in Honduras right now. And then, um, you can go to his face page, Facebook page, and you see all the kids that are gearing up for VBS, and so just praise the Lord for the opportunity and the um, enablement for Todd to do what he's doing for the glory of God down there and continue to pray with him as he is still, still busy, busy, busy about the kingdom of the Lord down, kingdom of God down there. And the VBSs are just now getting kicked off. So in a sense, the work is just beginning for him down there. Weather today is rainy. Mm. High 48, low of 33. 
Um, tomorrow's going to be pretty much a high 50, low of 36, similar, but partly rainy. I guess showers is how you say it. Uh, <clears throat> verse of the day, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clear, clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal God, power, and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Love that verse. Talked about that yesterday a little bit. Quote of the day is a quote by John Piper. I'm going to throw another one out here. Life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross. Cherish it for the treasure it is and cleave to it as the highest price of every pleasure and the deepest comfort in every pain. What was once foolishness to us, a crucified God, must become our wisdom and our power and our boast, only boast in the world. Love that quote by, again, Brother John Piper. All righty. Well, I guess we'll move into the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 7 still. Um, <clears throat> Jason probably thought we was going to be in chapter 9 by now or something. Uh, I know I didn't, actually. You didn't think that? <laughs> I figured y'all would still be in 7. <laughs> yeah, well, we almost, actually, we're pretty, we're almost done with 7, though. Um, we've done pretty good on it. I think we are in... Um, verse 23. So we just got a couple of more. Right. So we'll start in verse 23. Well, I figured y'all would be going backwards. <laughs> Not yet. That's the pace that you all run. <laughs> now, the Order of Melchizedek, that was really fun it to talk is. about. Yep. And um, I think we had a real, some really good discussions concerning the Order of Melchizedek. And um, how do you say it, Jason? Melchizedek or Melchizedek? We I, asked, I, I can't remember what you said Monday, how you I did I say Melchizedek. Okay. But I've heard it pronounced both ways. Or you can do like Bob Martin, Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Is that what it was? He said it really different. And he made me really nervous because he said it with such confidence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Rachel, I think it was Rachel Milburn sent in the correct pronunciation of it, and it was a little bit different. It was close to Melchizedek, but it was a little bit different. Well... Until she gets in here and says it herself in the studio. Ha. I, I feel like it was Melki. Like it was more of an I than an E on Ezedek. But Say that we'll again. see. I, I think it was like a Melki's Kizedek instead Kiz. of Kezedek. But I'm not, I'm not for sure. I just remember there was a different vowel in there. So. But then you would be changing the CH, wouldn't you? I don't know. Che to ke. I'm not an English major. Y'all are the English teachers in there. I'm, I'm looking at the pronunciation of it, but, but my Mel, Bible doesn't have one with it, like Mel, a phonetic guide. No kiz. See, I don't even know how to say phonetic. Mm -hmm. There's it's four syllables there, but I don't know. <laughs> this guy. I think it's close enough. I think how we say it is close enough. Yeah. <laughs> Mail baby over there. All right, we got our 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 order of Melchizedek, um, that was fun to talk about. So we're kind of ending that, though. We're talking about Jesus being a high priest and being a high priest of a different order. But it says this in verse 23. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Um, that's powerful. 
so he, the writer of Hebrews here is talking about many priests, but they prevented by death from continuing. But he, talking of Jesus, capitalized he, because he continues forever as an unchangeable priesthood. He talks about being saved, being able to save to the uttermost. Why? Because he always lives to make intercession for us. Unchangeable priesthood. Does that mean like it's not transferred? Well, I think in his, I think it means he has no ending to his priesthood. Okay. He is forever king priest. And he's forever our high priest. Amen. Because he's from the order of Melchizedek that has no ending of days and beginning of days. Go ahead, Hannah. Sorry. ESV says uh, permanently, priest, yeah. priesthood permanently. Yeah. I think that's a significant thing behind the order of Melchizedek and his priesthood because we talked about how the order of Aaron was inferior to the order of Melchizedek and how Melchizedek, you couldn't, you couldn't control his lineage because he had no beginning of days and no ending of days. It wasn't because his mom and dad was this or that. Because in the order of Aaron, your succession of high priests was basically based upon who your dad was. Mm-hmm. And this one, you couldn't twist Melchizedek's order because it wasn't contingent upon who his dad was. It wasn't contingent upon when it started because there's no ending of days and no beginning of days. He was the king of righteousness and he was the king of peace. And so you Alpha couldn't twist him. <laughs> This is what the order of Melchizedek represented was that there was no beginning. There was no end. There's nothing to take hold of him. You could not have any possession over him. You couldn't manipulate him. You couldn't control him. You didn't know where it started. You didn't know where it was going to end. Just like the representation of the Holy Spirit that um, Jesus used. Now, Jesus, Holy Spirit is not a reputation. So don't think of it like I'm saying. I'm saying whenever Jesus said the Spirit is like the wind. Remember? And he said, we don't know where it is going to blow from. Or where it's going to blow to. It's God. It's the Father is blowing the wind. And so I think in that same regard, this is the kind of like what he's talking about, the priesthood, is you can't control this priesthood because it's, it's greater. It's superior. And it's not based upon whose mom and dad Melchizedek was or what anything like that. It was just he was the king of Salem, the king of peace, and the king of righteousness, a priest. And he was a high priest because Abraham paid tithes to him. Uh, so for such a high priest was fitting for us and I think the writer of Hebrews here is now starting to really unravel who Jesus was because he says who is holy harmless undefiled separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens um you know, that's one word that I really don't like. I don't think we really use a lot when we talk about Jesus. We talk about righteousness. We talk about holiness. We talk about full of grace and mercy, full of truth. But the new King James using harmless. Yeah, King James does too. What do you think What do you think they're meaning there? I don't know. I was just kind of thinking about that myself. I, I don't think I've ever noticed that word before. I'm not sure I did either. But, like, what would... I mean, it is interesting to start unpacking that word in your brain, talking about how, you know, this high priest, Jesus, is harmless. He's holy, he's harmless, he's undefiled, separate from sinners, become higher than the heavens, who does, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice for his own sins and then for his people, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. 
for the I'm going to read it out for the law appoints as high priest men who have weakness but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected for ever the interlinear for that is not bad mm-hmm. innocent or unsuspecting harmless simple yeah do you say simple simple oh, i love that word mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm growing to love the word simple more all the time mm-hmm. he's harmless he's not you don't have to be afraid of him i think that's i think a lot of people could be would do good to hear that too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we have a lot of people that misinterpreted what the fear of the God is, fear of the Lord is. They're actually terrified of him. But the fear of the Lord is honoring him, respecting him, wanting to serve him, wanting to obey his word. But because he's very holy, <laughs> to say the least. But his nature is not to harm you. And that's what the writer of Hebrews here I think was trying to say is, you know, his nature is not seems not to be to harm you. It means to do good like Jesus did not come in the world to to uh, condemn the world like we talked about yesterday but to save the world and so that's his nature that's what he wants to do and that was his nature from the get-go because his his nature and intent was not to punish man it was to punish Satan but Adam and Eve brought that among themselves that was not God's heart around it but God hates sin you can't he has to deal rightly with sin to remain just and righteous. But his original intent and nature over man was good. And I think here the writer of Hebrews is reminding us that he's that his intent, his nature is to be harmless. It's to do good. But he cannot deal unjustly with sin because he is holy. And if he started to condone sin, his holiness would start to be in question at that point. Right. Because that's what the, that's what the Old Testament. A, if a person justifies a wicked sinner, then that justify justification makes him unjustified himself. And so that was the great dilemma. <clears throat> well, I'm talking a lot. Y'all got to say something. I was just looking that up. The that word harmless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, um, Dake uses the or gives the uh, Greek. And just meaning without evil or simple. Mm-hmm. He likes that word too. Yeah, <laughs> I like simple. Mm-hmm. So I just started thinking of him as a father figure when you were talking. Sometimes I <laughs> get off on like a trail when we're doing these Bible studies, but um, I think it's just helpful to think of God as a father when looking at you know. His in, his intentions and things like that. Because a father, a good father, which we know God is good, would never have a bad intention for his children. So. Yeah, and anything the father... Now, there's times that a father would allow you to maybe go through some stuff so we could learn and grow and be stretched. But the intent, the heart around it, is never for you to be hurt. Mm-hmm. It's just... That's kind of what I was, I was just reading some of the different commentaries on it from the Power Bible, and and uh, Matthew mm-hmm. Poole says, uh, "Void of all natural evil in his spirit and flesh, no lust, no disposition to evil, not injurious to any, having no guile, an Israelite indeed beyond a Nathaniel, <laughs> a 
of the most simple, pure, and innocent nature. He was good, and all his work was good. Mm -hmm. I like that. Who is that? Matthew Poole. Oh, yeah. Poole. Yeah. And then I love how the writer of Hebrews goes down here, and he says, another thing that's differentiation, differentiating, how would you say that, Jason? Differentiating. That's one of those words that if I ever stop, I cannot get it. Differentiating. <laughs> yeah. Between Jesus and other priests mm-hmm. was that he don't have to continue to offer sacrifices. Right. For one, he's not sinning. So he has nothing to atone for. But he said his sacrifice was once and for all sufficient. Mm-hmm. It's all we ever need because it was that good. Because it was perfect. It was holy. It was righteous. It was satisfying. It fulfilled the law. And I love that, that his sacrifice was perfect. And he don't have to go back every day and offer more. And we don't have to go back every day and offer more. Why? Because it was sufficient. And I love that. I love that. That's good. All righty. Well, we are going to do our first trivia question of the morning. We're going to so go. We finished the chapter. I kind of uh, lost track for a second. I was trying to find Do we finish verse 28? Word. We didn't do 28. Oh, well, then let's do 28. About got three all minutes. Means. <laughs> all means, let's do it. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of oath, which came after the law, appoints the son who has been perfected forever. Um, <clears throat> now, I do want to say this. It was not like the son was not perfect. <laughs> I'm muting my mic. Something just got me sneezing in here. Um, I, thought, I was looking down. I thought maybe you just were pausing for a yeah, second. Thanks for the dead air, guys. Just watch me sneeze. All right. I, I was reading the verse. I was pausing for dramatic effect. Uh, that's what I thought. A susur, I think that's called. Yeah. No, we don't want to interrupt your thought. <laughs> I think that's going back to the eternality of what the writer of Hebrews is saying. That this this sacrifice, this high priest, this Jesus can never be anything other than perfect. He has been perfected forever, and he never changes. We call that the immutability of Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, he is. And he's never going to change. He has been perfected forevermore. He was the once and for all sacrifice. This sacrifice cannot be tainted. It cannot be changed. It does not to be need to be redone. We do not need another high priest. Jesus is our high priest. And he's perfected forevermore. That's right. Amen. Agreed. And, Disagreed. And the law made, pre, made high priests that did have flaws and, and what have you, but not... Not our Lord. Not our, mm-hmm. not the order of Melchizedek. Right. And so, huh, All right. good stuff. Yeah. We're done with seven. Uh-huh. Man, and we are. Like we accomplished something. We are advancing. We are advancing in the kingdom this morning. Mm-hmm. All right. Monday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. And don't forget, this gets you in for the drawing on uh, this Friday for two Ark Encounter tickets for adults and three for children. And it includes... The parking. So Monday, question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. When Lot was taken captive, how many of Abram's trained men were sent to rescue Lot? When Lot was taken captive, how many of Abram's trained men were sent to rescue Lot? It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I have no idea why it's one of my favorite stories, but I love 
that story. So hang in here with us. Call in 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after Jason's favorite song here on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back here on this beautiful, beautiful rainy day. I hear the rain coming down outside. It's pouring down just like the love of the Father's pouring down over his children. The rain is coming down outside. So we had an answer for this trivia question. How many men did Abraham take with him? And I must admit, um, I've always just said 300. I didn't. I had forgot that it was 318. And so I was forgetting the 18. I always do that. And I just didn't even think about it. So I was thinking 300. Um, but Miss Judy got that correct. So her name's in for that drawing. It's 318 18 men he gathered. I love this story because it speaks of a time whenever Lot, he walks away, basically. He separates. He gets himself into trouble, gets captured. All this happens, and then yet Abraham still goes after Lot. And he says, let me get my best men. And I feel like it's almost a shadow. Now, I know it's a real story, but I think it's almost a shadow, too, of what intercession looks like whenever the enemy tries to steal one of us away or rip somebody away from the body of Christ. We're to we're to assemble the best men and we're to pray and intercede and take back everything the enemy has stolen. Lot and everything. And not only did he get Lot and everything back, he got more. They spoiled it. They got the spoils. I like it too that Abraham's well, Abram at that time was was prepared, you know, and he had his men trained mm-hmm. for anything that they needed. He was ready, wasn't he? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Greg Carwell gave me some laughing laughing faces. I would think it's over Jason's favorite song, but uh, is it safe to put my headphones back on? Yeah. Uh, Gary Cox said, "Sorry, Jason, but I love this song." Yeah, oh my goodness. It was not at the Christmas collage. So in other words, all the was you slightly disappointed? No, I was not. Did you check first before going? I did look at the program to make sure. <laughs> was that when you was going to go take your bathroom break? If yeah. that was the case. There was an intermission, but I would would have probably stepped out. <laughs> no, it was it was so good I wouldn't have, you know, I, w- I won't say I wouldn't have minded, but I would have tolerated it. Well, um, I'll admit this: this morning, uh, this is the first time I'm seeing these questions because I did not see your text come through last night. Okay, so I, these are brand new to me, which I usually don't look them up too much in the night before. I just I see the text comes in and I may glance at them, but. I didn't have a glance. Um, Jason Lee said, Lot is a lost sheep parable in Luke. Yeah, I think it's definitely comparable to that. I think that's a good shadow. And I think that, um, you know, when one sheep's lost, Jesus will come after it. He'll leave the 99 to go after the one. And I'm glad that I, I'm glad he left the 99 to come after me that one time. And so, and then the second time, and then the 17th time, and then the, 316 times because when I was born when I was born again we got born again 1700 times a day um and so um and but I am very glad I'm very I'm I'm so thankful that he came after me when I was a lot and I needed an Abraham to come after me and that was Jesus so great great job Jason that was a that's a good that's a good point I like Thank that you. huh <laughs> You were talking to other Jason, but he he oh. said thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, huh? 
All right. Uh, I thought you were still talking about Mary. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna go you know, into the question. Okay, go I, ahead. Go I ahead. Was no, just go. Ahead. Gonna say this, like the name Lot. When you said like I was a Lot, yeah. it sounds like you know you're you were a Lot to handle. You know, like it would just be funny having his name because <laughs> I was. Uh. <laughs> All right, number the first question we're gonna answer today. Gonna drive into our Bible discussion and Bible dialogue here. How do you respond to people who say Christmas is a pagan holiday? Um, how would I respond to them? Well, I would probably cr- throw on my Christmas suit <laughs> and my lights. No, I'm just kidding. Um, honestly, how I respond to them yeah. is I just honor them. It, it doesn't phase me. It doesn't really bother me. Um, I just I honor them, and that's their, their conviction. Mm-hmm. If that's their conviction— I think they need to honor that within themselves. And I don't I don't have a lot of arguments with them. The only holiday that I have a great problem with is Halloween. Like right. I'll just be honest with you. Like yeah. I don't think Halloween we use and I know I've talked about this before with Halloween, but what what I like to think of and I I'm kind of like a lot of other theologians and people who think through these kind of stuff in a theological matter of our understanding of who God is and how things work is the Genesis debate or Genesis idea of the origins may have been this, but has it evolved into something else? And I hate to use the word evolve, but evolve yeah. is a real word. Yeah, I mean, sure. we are changing. We're not talking about apes and coming from all that stuff. I'm just saying that, like, Christmas could have had some pagan things at the early onset. But for the most part, I think it's transitioned to something that's based a lot on Christ. Right. So it has evolutionized, I guess. And... Um, now, I don't like the commercialization of it. You know, we, we, we choose not to celebrate certain parts of Christmas um, at our house, but we also don't, like, attack our kids if they come home and talking about some parts of it. Like, we'll play along or something. But my kids know. Like, my kids really know that I'm trying not to say certain <laughs> things in case kids are listening. I'm trying to honor that, too. Um, <laughs> I am trying to honor that, too, because I do understand that some parents – Treat them, and, and honestly, I'm doing it for the kids more than anything because I don't want to just like – I tell my kids all the time, you don't go to school and tell you what I say because <laughs> devastate some kid, go home depressed for three weeks, and it's all because you ran your mouth. Um, but but I, I don't know. I just try to honor that, and, and I think it's their conviction. Um, but I think for me, Christmas for me is a time and a season of the year to where I spend time with my friends, my family, honor Christ, celebrate – even though his birth wasn't on December 25th, I still – I never want to miss an opportunity to celebrate Christ. Um, Halloween for me just never transitioned. If you go to Walmart during it, it's still skeletons. It's still witches. It's still death. It's still fear. It's everything the enemy stimulates and perpetuates is what Halloween is. Um, And so for me, it's just Christmas is different. Even if, if, I mean, if, if you want to be so hard on this stuff, you can't celebrate Mother's Day. Because the Mother's Day was originally created to 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 give thanks to the mother of all gods in Greek mythology. Okay. So do we stop Mother's Day at this point? I wouldn't recommend that. Um, <laughs> you might get yourself in trouble. Easter yeah. was also yeah. the name. Easter actually traces back to Ishtar, mm-hmm. the yeah. god that they... Fertility. Yeah, yep. the fertility. That's where so. the bunny rabbits and the eggs come Yeah, out. But they're not going to steal the time of the year where we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, 
you know, I think this is where we have to be cautious a little bit, not to be so zealous that we cut ears off of people and we cause division and stuff like that over something that could be very much handled differently. And I'm going to go back to Peter whenever he says, um, honor everyone. I mean, that's just what he says. Yeah. Honor everyone. And so I try to respond with honor, but I'll shut up so y'all can talk. Well, you can't really argue that. I mean, there are pagan roots you, yeah. with, mm-hmm. with Christmas. But, you know, for me, I do, I do celebrate the, you know, the family and, and, and all that. And um, this may sound odd, but I don't even really do a lot of celebrating the birth of Jesus on Christmas. To me, it's just more of a kind of an extension of Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know? It's just about eating, huh? <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm not just because I I know that there are I, I don't want to mix all that together, mm-hmm. you know, and the commercialization, the the Santa Claus, and all that stuff. You know, and I so. was just thinking, you know, you know, we try to kind of do kind of combine it a little bit, you know, to think that, you know, birth was important, you know, because of what it, you know, all the events that took place afterwards, you know, and then we, we kind of always kind of linked the cross to it, mm-hmm. but it didn't stop there. You mm-hmm. know? Right. And if it wasn't for the resurrection, you know, then, then, you know, none of, none of it would have worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's kind of, it, you know. It is kind of hard to, to just to celebrate one part of the plan. God's yeah. Plan. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. it took it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say though, if you sneeze again, <laughs> if you're no, I, was, I didn't want to talk, and somebody else is going to talk. If you're celebrating the birth and you know the full story, yeah, and you worship Jesus, mm-hmm. then the birth isn't just the birth to you. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know that it didn't stop there. You and, I'm, and I'm thinking, too, you know, I'm, you know, we've, of course, had this discussion in our family because, you know, Brother Ron didn't really celebrate Christmas. And uh, but, you know, one day he was kind of thinking, you know, and figured it all out because we, we by <coughs> the feast and all everything that was um, when Jesus uh, uh, died and everything that uh, and all the whole story of it, uh, you got to thinking, you know, I. I believe he was probably conceived in December, you know, and then he was born in September, and then just all the other events of the time frame of his life and what the what the scripture teaches us, you know, about the resurrection and or the you know death and burial and resurrection, you know, that that he kind of figured out the whole timeline there. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, he most likely would have been conceived sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well supernaturally mm-hmm. conceived mm-hmm. um late december early january mm-hmm. because it was somewhere in december that he i mean september that he was most likely bored right um if you mm-hmm. coincide with the feast mm-hmm. and for me like for me christmas isn't so much about like celebrating the birth it's celebrating the life yeah mm-hmm. then you move into easter that's celebrating the death the burial and the resurrection mm-hmm. so it's like these next four months you really do get to process a lot and you're walking through these times and i don't know i just think that we have to be um you know even whenever you talk about the halloween debate i have convictions on it now that i didn't have three years ago right but also i didn't hark on people that celebrated halloween so i think we just have to be careful and we always have i want to always side on the side of honor so am i going to sit down at a christmas table and argue with somebody i mean i mean a dinner table that doesn't believe 
in celebrating Christmas, I'm probably never going to argue with them over it. Like, um, now, if they ask me questions of what I see in Scripture, sure, I'll yeah. answer that. But for me, I don't think it's a profitable debate to sit there and argue about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think it is healthy, too, to look at what what are you doing during the holidays, what takes place, and then how does that line up with principles in Scripture? Because if we look at Halloween, there's not... We've talked about this before, but there's not a lot of things, I would say anything, that really aligns with what we should be doing in Scripture because there's a lot of darkness. But with Christmas, not everything may be accurate, <laughs> but the thing, like the the heart of giving and just different principles that are that have been mixed within it are things that are also mentioned in scripture. So I don't know. Uh, uh, just, just like that concert that we went to there at UK and the fact that, that they weren't afraid to sing songs that said, that had the name of Jesus in it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that I was kind of pleasantly surprised, you know, yeah. that they, uh, you know, still, you know, that was a part of it, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times for a lot of universities and a lot of things, that's the only time of the year you can get away with it. A lot of these is yeah. singing Christmas songs about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think we should take the opportunity because in this in this season, whether he was born on it or not, whether the original idea was Nimrod, I mean, like all these ideas, what it's what it's evolved into for us as the church is a time of celebrating the the birth and the life of of Jesus Christ. And for us too, it's, I think it's a time where we sit there and ponder and think upon the prophecies that have been fulfilled, all the things that have been laid out, the way that, um, Mary and Joseph happened, all that would happen. I mean, there's so many things around the birth of Christ other than just the date that is so significant. And this is this time of the season where we get to, as Hannah was talking about, give and be cheerful about it and teach our kids about giving. And, um, and I mean, this is the season of Christmas chick flicks, which is, I love, I mean, like Hallmark movies are oh amazing. Not, well, not, I don't well, listen to Hallmark movies. I, I listen, <laughs> I watch some other one. If pure flicks would, I could watch one pure flick <laughs> movie without having to restart it three times because the lips and the audio on the video, it gets them. Oh, it gets me. Um, but I mean, we went to Litchfield and we was, we was in the Christmas parade for my wife's bank and, uh, mm-hmm. And so we got to walk in there, and I was definitely stand out. I, I thought I would see you all there, Jason. I even had a little necklace saved for Paisley. No, we were we were at the concert. Yeah, yeah, y'all, but I didn't even think I didn't put all those together. Yeah. Um, but I was I was lighting that street up. I had lights on me and my Christmas suit. And then afterwards, we went to the Christmas on the Square in yep. Litchfield, and you know, people some people would say, "Well, that's you know, I would never attend that," but. At the Christmas parade, I mean, at the at the Christmas parade, there was the gospel being preached on people's floats. Yeah. Um, in the Christmas on the square, there was a Cross Points worship team was literally leading worship on the square oh, yeah, during that. that yeah. um, it was it was fun. It was fellowship. There was no there was there was love. You saw people hugging each other. You saw everybody uplifting each other. You saw smiles in the face. You saw kindness, and for me, that's fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. manifesting. It's easy to redeem that holiday. Yes. It, you can't really redeem other holidays. Some of them are yeah. irredeemable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. And then others, you know, like Easter, I have, I have a real trouble with Easter because there's so much paganism mm-hmm. directly inserted in that. 
the whole egg. I mean, the whole idea that a bunny lays an egg <laughs> is ridiculous. <laughs> that one does bother me. But it's still the time of the year right. to where Jesus was but resurrected. You can still redeem it, and so yes. you can you can be more passed over minded, right? And you could be resurrection Sunday. Like exactly, I don't really get up on a microphone and say Happy Easter. Yeah, I get up no, there and I say. It's Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to celebrate our resurrected king. Right. And that I, you can do. And so I think we're able to redeem all these. But how do you redeem some holidays? I don't think you Today's the day we talk to the dead. Congratulations, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to pray today to dead people. <laughs> all right. It's just, you know. Uh, let me get caught up in a couple texts. Jason Lee said, didn't the pagans make holidays can coincide with the Christian holidays, just the enemy trying to discredit Jesus? You know, history is really sometimes confusing all how this played out. The yeah. Catholic Church got so intertwined with certain things that you right. never really know, was it a Christian thing first off, and then a pagan got in there, and it's just— I think it definitely happened. I'm not sure they if it, did, which way, which yeah. direction it went. They did do that at certain times whenever I've looked into it with festivals. So, mm -hmm. like, the Jewish festivals were already set in stone way before some of the pagans started to— some of the pagans, some but actually, them. some of the pagan festivals More predate. Before, yeah, Exodus, some of them so. do, but there's some that don't, and and they imitated that. So it just depends on which ones yeah. they are. And then if you get into like some holidays, they're, the origin of it's so confusing, like because each what we've kind of done is we've taken a lot of different origins of holidays from a lot of different things and just threw all the holidays together at times. Mm -hmm. And and so the way this this country celebrated Christmas, this one, this one, this one, now we just combine them all, and it gets really muddy what started where, when it started. And so I think you said a w good word a minute ago. Is it redeemable? Can we redeem this and make it Christ-exalting without breaking any scripture, without breaking any convictions? But I do want to say all of this, that if you have a conviction not to celebrate Christmas and you believe that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart— uh, I think it's important for you to follow that. Right. And I think you, and I'm going to honor you in that. Now, the, the thing is, I think you have to be careful to honor those who choose to still celebrate Christmas. Sure. And I think this is where Peter is so good. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. You know, yeah. and, and I just think that's really good. I, I Anytime I, each year I usually get to lose one chapel with everybody. And almost every year I use that, that scripture. Right. Because I think it's just so good. Um, one listener said, if you can't celebrate the birth of Christ, how can you celebrate the resurrection? Well, birth must predate resurrection. That's true. That's um, true. And for me, it's not even about like, we we talk about this some here, you know, Jesus wasn't a baby in the manger when the wise men come. Right. That's the manger scene, but he was most likely two or three. Yeah, it, it took a couple years for the, the wise men to get there. But for me, it's it's not specifically just the birth. When I think of his birth, what I'm really thinking of is all the prophecies. I'm thinking of all the the life that he's getting ready to live, what he came to earth to do. And and I don't know. I just, I love Christmas. Well, um, and all those prophecies fulfilled, he couldn't have caused them to happen because you know, he was a babe, you know. And, you know, you know some of the prophecies, they, they say that, you know, he, uh, different ones, help them to come about, you know, especially, you know, when it get, got close to his his death, you know, and like that. But, uh, you know, all those things were fulfilled, you know, and he, you know, he, he didn't make them happen, you know, yeah. in himself, you know. Mm -hmm. he, they, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just to think about how supernatural 
and necessary his his birth was to be like it was. Mm-hmm. For for one, we as even we as um, you know evangelical more Christians, we don't believe in what we call the immaculate conception. The immaculate conception says that Mary was sinless, therefore Jesus was sinless. Mm-hmm. We don't believe that. Mm-hmm. We believe that Jesus was sinless because he had no seed of the Father. He was supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit hovering over Mary, and the generational bloodline of Adam was not passed down to Jesus. And so the sinfulness or the sin nature was not inherited by Christ because it was not the inherited sin of Adam. And so him being a virgin birth is of necessity because if he didn't come from a virgin birth, he was a sinner. He was born as a sinner. Mm -hmm. He wasn't. Therefore, he was what Hebrews 7 just tells us, able to be that perfect sacrifice. So when you think about his birth, you start to process all this. And to me, the virgin birth is an essential of the gospel. It's a close-handed issue. There's no other way you can do it other than a virgin birth. Mm -hmm. The exception, though, is not true. Mary was sinful. Mary had sin. Mary had fallen short of the glory of God. Um, true. Miss Gale says, I think the other things that are added to our religious holidays are created to pull us away from the reason for the season. I don't argue either, but I think it's important to know what's going on. Kids need to know what to needs to be emphasized. Mm-hmm. And, um, we do. I mean, yeah. in our house, I we emphasize. Yeah. I think that's the important thing. Right. Is just examining. If you are celebrating Christmas, examining where your focus really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, if my kids come home and talk about the big man in the red suit, <laughs> I don't throw stones at them. Like, they know. Like, I tell them, they're, I'm very honest with them about that. But I'm not so, like, you know, I've seen little kids, like, get demolished. And they come they come to school the next day and, like, they just lost their puppy. <laughs> so I think even as parents, when we address these issues— Let's make sure the kids are not feeling condemned because they – does that make sense? I'm, I want to make sure I word this right because if a little kid comes home and they learned about the big man in the red suit and they come home and talk about him, so I've heard some parents just hit them right hard. That's pagan. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think we should, we should gently respond back to them on how to handle that situation. And um, because I remember the first time I had to talk with my kids when I was old enough to understand some things. I think it was hard for them at times. And I think sometimes parents unintentionally like roast their kids for believing in something because that's what they're used to in culture. And I think that we have to educate, we have to direct, we have to parent, we have to we I agree hundred percent with Miss Gale. We have to give them what the season's really about. But let's not make sure we're just destroying them in the process and making them feel like they're full of sin because they had believed in this thing or not believed in this thing or if you go to christmas lights you're gonna tiptoe around it yeah oh no i don't want to tiptoe it's just i don't know i think we can do it in an honorable way i don't mean that i mean tiptoe around uh bursting someone's bubble or belief (laughs) well and it's not even that like i want them to know i've just seen i don't know i've seen and i've seen other people now this is my i gotta i know we gotta go to break i think that there's a way to do it because uh, I, I, you know, I remember when we started having kids, <laughs> you know, and it was before we were enlightened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
you know, so we had to set our kids down and tell them that, you know, we've learned something new, you know, and uh, we've, we've learned the truth, you know, about things. And, we, and you know, we didn't intentionally want to, to uh, bust, uh, bust their bubble, but, you know, but, uh, you know, we, we were just honest with them, you know. It was just like any time when we made a mistake, you know, we tried to, you know, tell the kids, you know, it was, it was you know, we, we did something wrong, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, and, uh, you know, so, and just, th- but this is the, this is the truth, or this is how it really is, or, you know, what have you. Yeah. So if you, you can sit down and. And, uh, but did you strive for gentleness in it? Like, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And I think that's the that's mm-hmm. the key thing is gentleness mm-hmm. and edification, right. and love. And and I do think though. Now the boys weren't very good with with their sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could <laughs> see that. <laughs> I could see that. But I mean, and I've even seen too where like in the <laughs> in churches where maybe a little kid wore a Santa Claus shirt or something <clears throat> like that to church one yeah. time, and I've seen people go up to that little kid and just start telling them things. And I'm like, whoa, 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 like take a deep breath. Um, I think you're overstepping your boundaries at that point. And you need to, there's a gentle way to do stuff. And and I think that's what sometimes we don't adhere to is gentleness and edification. We just go right for the cutthroat. And now our three-year-olds are running around the church crying because somebody went cutthroat on them about Christmas. <laughs> And and even like a little kid who's, you know, even during the Halloween season, when a little kid's family is used to practicing that kind of stuff and doing it, we as the church have to be careful even how we address kids in that area too. Like, I just think that we should we should we should always speak truth, but I think there's a way to speak truth, and I think that I tell I tell people this who's going to start, who comes to me about preaching or anything like that. I tell them this, the number one thing I can tell you at the very start is how you say something is just as important as what you say. Because you could say the most prolific truth in all the history of the world. But if you say it in the wrong attitude, you say it with the wrong demeanor, you say it with a derogatory, condescending accent, or you just say it hatefully, they will not hear the truth. And that's why sometimes, like, I know i got to go to break, but i got to tell us one quick story. I was in Louisville at this huge festival one time. We actually was at Kentucky Kingdom. We went to Joe's Crab Shack to eat. My kids were really small. And I walked over with the kids while Heather and my mom was finishing eating, and we went to this festival, and it was really fun on the on the riverside. And there was kids everywhere just laughing, running, and I love to see like that. My kids were laughing and running. We was playing mini golf and balloons and eating cotton candy and all this good stuff well this guy with a megaphone walked into the crowd in front of thousands and thousands of people and in in like little kids ears and face screaming everyone at this festival is going to hell and i mean he just let her fly and i'm thinking what does these kids think of christ at this moment and it was there was no gentleness, there was no kindness, there was no love. There wasn't even like there wasn't even truth in it because I believe there's probably born again Christians there. But what was this guy profiting? What did this guy do for the kingdom of God? I personally think he did very little for the kingdom of God that day. I actually think he did great harm to the kingdom that day because he came in there with hate. Right. 
And it, it didn't matter at that point if what he was saying behind the microphone or the megaphone was right and true. It was with such hatred and anger that the one that probably needed a shot of Jesus that day was him with the megaphone. And so I want to make sure we're not taking that kind of attitude into trying to do holidays as well. If you, if you do have to debate, if you do have to talk, do it in love. Do it with an intent of edification, building each other up. Because at the end of the day, Galatians 6 one's applicable. Him who has fallen or been overtaken by a trespass, him who is spiritual, restores such a one with a spirit of gentleness. Uh, a soft word turns away wrath, right? Yep. All right, I'll shut up. I'll shut up. I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> I'm off my soapbox. Um, let me see here. Second trivia question of the day, sponsored by Higdon Land Surveying. God told Abraham to offer his son Isaac a burnt offering. What did Abraham tell the men that were tending his donkey he would do before he and Isaac returned? God told Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a, sac- a burnt offering. What did Abraham tell the men? That were tending his donkey, he would do before him and Isaac returned home. 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All right, we are back here. No answer for that trivia question yet, which I'm surprised. Like, good prize, good drawing. Easy question. I thought, I relatively thought this was an easy question. So, again, God told Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a burnt sacrifice or offering. What did Abraham tell the men that were tending the donkey he would do before he and Isaac returned to them? Amen. Hallelujah. You know what it is, Jason? Uh, I, I think I do, but, but I'm not sure. Now, I would say it. It's tricky. I guess it would be tricky in your brain. But I would tell, I would encourage listeners not to overthink it. So, Okay. Then I probably do know the answer then. I, th- I, I may have been overthinking it myself. Boxer Radio, this is there. How may I help you? Uh, I was yeah. going to look it up during oh, the yeah. break, but we got to talking about Christmas and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's it. So, that's it, Miss Judy. Congratulations. Anyway. but uh, Thank you. Bye-bye. I think we got an uh, answer now, do we? Yes, we do. All right. Um, what do you think it is, Jason? I th- I thought he was going to s- read the question again. All right. Oh, I, I put him on the stop. I yeah. put him on the spot. All right. Hold on. Let me read the question again. He said, "What did he say they would do?" Yeah. God told Abraham to offer his son Isaac yeah. as a burnt offering. What did Abraham tell the men that were tending his donkey he would do before he and Isaac returned to them? Okay. Uh, never mind. I I, I thought it was going to be they would return. Nope. But you said he before they would return. You know? Wait. Say it one more time. <laughs> All right. What did Abraham tell the men that were tending his donkey he would do before he and Isaac returned to them? Miss Gretchen stumps me all the time on these questions. <laughs> this is the one I knew. Praise the Lord. They would praise the Lord? Before? No. Close. <laughs> They'd offer sacrifice? Oh, I know. I actually know this, but I can't. We're going yonder to... 
Worship. Okay. Worship. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was the answer. Oh, Miss Judy. Miss Judy got that one too. So she got her name in both Again? times today. Wow. So she's she's in her two times for this two week drawing. Um, but they were going she's to really, worship. Really on top of it today, or she's the only one listening today. Um, <laughs> could be both. After my soapbox on being gentle, maybe people's like, I want to cut the throat. Let's go for the throat. Let's go through the jugular. Um, and so. <coughs> but no, I mean, I I try to honor people in there yeah. because I do think this. I'll, I'll say this, and we're we're gonna talk about this question. We'll move on to more of a biblical one. Um, I do think we as a church do have to remember the difference, and you all can disagree or agree. I'm I'm open for debate. The difference between a conviction and a commandment. Yeah, I think there's a distinction. Oh yeah, between, I do too. I think there's a distinction between those. And I think a commandment we can be more forceful with because that's a commandment. A conviction, I may be in a different place than Jason is. And Jason may be in a different place than I am. And there must, there might be some things that Jason does that he don't feel convicted about that I would and stuff I don't feel convicted about that Jason would. And I think that we have to honor and the difference between conviction and commandment. And I think right. there is a difference. I do see a commandment, though, with not having any other gods before the one true God. That is the one that, like, the idolatry is what I see with holidays. Not just this holiday, but different holidays in general. The propensity to for it to be an idol and take up so much time. That Honestly, that's my biggest problem that I see with holidays, even more than the other things that we've talked about. So I think it's just always important to guard against that. Because it's it's very easy to get caught up in the the busyness of everything. But I think then you'd have to answer the question of when do you cross the line that makes it an idol? That would be the hard question. Because now that has Could become... Could be when you erect a tree in your house? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I, I think that is a hard question then. That I think point, when it's taken up so yeah. much of your time and your energy, and yeah. you're taking away your time and energy from the things that you would normally be doing for the Lord, mm. or spending time with the Lord. Yeah. But it would look different. It would look different for every person. It would person. be at different levels for different people. That's my point. That's hard. That's where it's hard to enforce. That's where the conviction comes in. Yeah, because so. because now at that point, you know, I don't know when it's becoming more for you. I don't know. I don't know when it's becoming. I mean, now if I walk into your house and you have an astropote built in the middle of your living room, you put another god before yours. Decorate it with lights. <laughs> you stop it, Jason. You're well, not. Hel- of, you're not helping the case. That's kind of with any idol, though. Like it's not just this. Yeah. I think that's with idolatry in general. It's a commandment. It is a commandment, but I think that's with anything because anything can become an idol. Yeah. Anything can. So it just it it's just up for. I think that's still going to yeah. be where you're you're the only one to be able to answer that question. And the thing I think you got to be careful about with conviction is, I may think you are absolutely crazy for having a particular conviction, but I need to be very careful in how I address that. Yes, because that is something between you and God. Mm-hmm. And you may have totally missed the boat, and God may not have ever spoken that to you. But that's not for me to decide. Yep. And so I need to be back up, and if I think you're crazy, then then I just think you're crazy. But I need to keep that to myself and and not um, bring bring any kind of confusion to that. Mm-hmm. Because 
I'm sure people thought Hosea was absolutely nuts. Nuts. For marrying that prostitute. Mm-hmm. But God told him to do that. Yeah. And so we need to be very careful about people. At That's a really good point, Jason. I ain't, I'm, not, I'm, I, not even, I'm not even playing at this point. Yeah. I've really never thought about that with Hosea. Yeah. Man, that's challenging. Can you imagine what people said about him? Yeah. And so we need to be very careful about our convictions. That's a really good point. And how we respond to other people's convictions. I I mean, I I lived that because my dad was was very anti-Christmas, but he did did so in love. And and he would poke fun at people for celebrating Christmas and things like that. But but that was his conviction. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, it was something that he stood by his entire life Mm -hmm. you know and so you have to be careful you know not to um you don't want to bring confusion to someone to someone that's trying to walk out something they think god told them to do yeah yeah and for the record i do have two christmas trees (laughs) or asherah poles whatever i'm just really thinking about this hosea thing (laughs) like that's a really good point yeah i've never really thought about that with hosea um. Yeah, because I am sure people come up to him. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I can imagine. Man, that's a really. I mean, I know Jose. I know the story of him. Yeah, it's just I've never really thought about it from that point because this issue of or this discussion of commandment versus conviction, it's greater than just holidays. Like this is everyday life, and um, and there's a lot of conversation surrounding that topic. Um, Jason Lee says commandments is for everyone. Conviction is individualized. And um, I mean, because really it's being led by the spirit. And as as we mature in sanctification, as we grow in holiness, Mm -hmm. those convictions will even change more because the Holy Spirit now will start unpeeling some more things and unraveling some more things. And things that you did today, you may not be able to do three years from now. Right. But it was a process and a journey for us. Mm -hmm. And this is where it gets really dangerous sometimes, especially to younger Christians, when somebody who's been in the process for 10 years starts to try to make new believers where they're at. Right. And it's not saying they're better. It's just they've been they've been in this for a while. God's been peeling things back. God's been de- peeling parts of the heart and dealing with issues. And so I think if we allow them the same grace that God's allowed us to grow, then we'll see them grow. But if we try to do, if we try to make them be a person who's been born again for 20 years, two days after they're born again, it's going to crush them. And they won't, they won't, it'll be like a whirlwind. And so I think this is where it's important to let the Holy Spirit do the conviction. And we take, we, now if the word says it, that's different. Like if there's a thing in the word, that's more of a commandment. That's more, this is what we do. But how we interpret things in a day to day practicality of like, you know, if, if you want to go to companies that we wouldn't support, yeah. all right, I, I got to be careful to think not to think because there's two or three companies we won't go to, but I got to be careful to say, if I see a Christian walking into that company, right. yeah, well, they're a sinner. Like I, I think I have to be cautious of that because maybe the Holy spirit hasn't convicted them like that doesn't mean anybody's better Yeah, because they may be walking in deeper holiness in certain parts too. And it's, I think this is where we just got to be careful with the whole conversation. Yeah. I said, we wasn't going to be long, but, but, these yeah. are important conversations in the body of Christ sure. yeah. that a lot of people's not willing to have. Right. But then in all things, we want truth. And we want to be protectors of truth. We just want to make sure we're doing God's truth and not Aaron's truth or Jason's truth 
or Hannah's truth or Gretchen's truth. It's God's truth that we protect. Yep. Okay. And also, I will say, too, that when I say that I don't really get all fired up about the the birth of Jesus part of Christmas, I'm not saying that I don't emphasize that because it is a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's just that uh, I'm not all about trying to convince people to focus on that as opposed to uh, presents or or even Santa Claus or anything like that, you know. I just mm-hmm. don't get up involved in that debate mm-hmm. because it, you know, at the end of the day, for me, it's more about um, spending time with family and and just enjoying each other's company, mm-hmm. you know. And I really don't, I don't spiritualize Christmas that much, just because um, I think it can lead to confusion for a lot of people because you're trying to, um, you know, talk about Jesus' birth and then oh, well, let's go open our presents, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it can get a little, yeah. it can get a little uh, off track. Now, can I ask you a serious question? Sure. Yeah. This is my question to you. Yeah. Any three guys, any three people in there that want answers? Do you think sometimes people over spiritualize the holidays of Christmas and Easter because they're really not spiritualizing anything else the rest of the year? Yeah, I do. And yeah. it's kind of like their makeup, yeah. right? I I do that, and and then you know also you know the I love a lot of the the good Christmas songs. Many of them that were hymns in in the days in days before and things like that, and when you get into that, it does kind of create some reflection. Mm-hmm. And so I do think people, kind of, uh, like you were saying, they they don't really have a spiritual connection the rest of the year, and then it kind of invokes that mood in them, and so they they you know maybe overcompensate so instead d- of carrying out a, a walk with the Lord the rest of the year. <laughs> so do you think the church can learn how to capitalize on that, though, and try to take these opportunities to um, <laughs> maybe challenge, compel? Per- yeah, I think so. I, th- I, think it's a, uh, I think it's a good opportunity. I mean, I'll be disappointed on, on Christmas Eve if you don't have a birth of Jesus message. <laughs> He's giving me the look. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it's a good opportunity to 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 take that and expound on it, and you know because people's mindsets are already on that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not saying that. Yeah, you know, but um, but I also at the same time I I don't myself get into it that much because it's just I think there's a lot of confusion around it. Mm-hmm. More so Easter than Christmas. I don't really get into Easter that much at all because it's it's a weird one. It's uh, when you you know you it's, start mixing all that stuff together. You know how in the world does the birth or I'm sorry the resurrection of Jesus tie in with an egg? Yeah, yeah, it's a wild one. But well, I mean, I think even like Christmas itself, the way we celebrate it mm-hmm. in America, is almost like an open door to evangelism. Yeah, it can be. Because teenagers and younger people, they're probably more receptive because it's already Christmas season. And so you can go up to them and Merry Christmas, and and they, you may start a conversation and be like, you know, I love this time of the year getting to celebrate Jesus' birth. It's like an open door. Like you're just, it's like silver platter. Just go for it. And um, I know this is goofy. I know this is goofy, but my if you seen me at the parade the other day, mm-hmm. I had my Christmas suit on and my Christmas lights around my neck. And so I'm sitting here, but the amount of people that came and talked to me 
that never would have come and talked to me probably. And the amount of conversations I got to have with people I may have never got to have, it was just like open door. Yeah. And it was so wholesome. It was so good. It was so real. Did they come talk to you like genuinely or like a bless yeah. his heart? Oh, I had like, no, I had like people want to take pictures with me because of my outfit. Um, and so, but it was, but it was killed. Like it was open doors. Did you yeah. see his outfit? I did see his outfit. <laughs> and, and like, you know, it's, I don't know. I think that, I think sometimes we overlook possibilities of evangelism because we're just so tuned out, but we could reach. And, I do want to be careful on on that, that I don't miss an opportunity and I don't miss an open door. And maybe it's something that we can even progress into the conversation of, you know, you know, Jesus really wasn't born on December 25th. He was probably just born mid-December, or early December, maybe even later it's December. But then we can start sharing the gospel, start sharing the life. And if we're so busy arguing about Christmas tree, whether it's right or wrong, if we're so busy arguing about this or that, the the nitpicky stuff, what are we missing the opportunity to actually do with people? And what conversations are we missing that could be profitable? Because when's the last time you ever had an art? When's the last time you ever had a conversation with somebody arguing about a Christmas tree that actually amounted to profitableness in the slightest? No, I don't think so. Where somebody was changed coming out of that. I've never had a conversation where somebody was changed. What about the elf on the shelf? Don't get me started on the elf on the shelf. <laughs> That's whoever whoever created that thing. There's a special punishment for them. <laughs> I despise the elf on the shelf. I despise it. Um, I'm sure it has pagan roots. <laughs> <laughs> it's got witchcraft roots. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, so many things have pagan roots, though. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you do have to be careful, but at the same time, you, if you, you know, you have that balance of not, you know, being supportive of something, but at the same time, not getting consumed with, um, you know, with looking for evil under everything. Yeah. Letting it become legalistic, yeah. too. Yeah. Because it very easily can. Well, the Barna group, George Barna and them, they did a book on pagan, it's called Pagan Christianity. Mm -hmm. I have it on my shelf in there. And there's good points in it. Like, there's some good stuff. There's good information. There's good research. But what happens sometimes with books like that is they're read, and you see the pagan roots of some things we do in Christianity, and instantly we try to hone out. So, like, did did the New Church, New Testament church not do altar calls? Well, not like we do. They did not. Did they do church services like we do? They did not. All right. So do we take what we're doing now and just quit it? Well, what we have done, lives have been changed. Right. God is glorified. Mm -hmm. Jesus is magnified. The church is being built. The glory of God is pouring out. So I think that's where we have to be careful. Is there some things that's happened that was not right? Of course. But can we redeem it and can we keep going forward? Because what happens in this area then is I've seen this. People read a book like Pagan Christianity. They quit the church, start their little home group. Yep. And then they become so isolated and arrogant that they think everybody else in the world is wrong. They're the only ones right with them and their five in the living room. And they're going to be the ones to change the world, just them, because they're doing it the right way. And they're, blast, they're blasting everybody else. And for me, I, I just think that's the dangerous thing is I, me as a pastor knows that Bethel Fellowship itself is not going to change the world. 
And I'm not even trying to make that happen. I just want Bethel Fellowship to play the part it's supposed to play. What are we supposed to do? And if every church would say, what are we supposed to do? And we can come in unity together, then we would begin to influence the world. But I also, like, I've just seen it where so much people use stuff like this sometimes as an excuse just to isolate, separate. And then they just, it's almost like this pridefulness gets on them. And we're better than you because we're not practicing this altar call no more. We're not doing this. And you all are demonic and you're sinful. And I just feel like it's a... It's a reciprocal cycle of where we just live in an area of condemnation, guilt, shame, and remorse. And that is not the free woman. That is not what Galatians is trying to t- That's not peace. That's not rest. That's not kingdom. That is that is condemnation and cutting each other off and not building the body. And I think we should go back to honor everyone. Mm-hmm. Adam Burton said, Paul said, now, we don't condone everyone. Okay, I'm not saying that. We just, yeah. I'm not preaching it inclusionism or universalism or anything like that. I'm just I, I think that we have to learn even in disagreeing with people honor is always the first thing we're supposed to do Paul said I have become all things to all men so that some might be saved um, Gary says keeps you crying and oppressed um, yeah. did you see the uh, White House Christmas tree fell over <laughs> I did <laughs> Speaking of, you think you think that was prophetic? Uh, it's like Dagon <laughs> it fell over. Oh, oh man. now everybody knows Jason does have two Christmas trees. I saw one of them in his doorway. So, Dagon <laughs> <laughs> fall. That's what I thought of when I heard that story. I never, I didn't see it. I just heard the story, and I thought it was like. The Philistines and Dagon was all turned over the next morning when they came in. <laughs> but like this, like if you're so attached or unattached or whatever that you can't joke or laugh about yeah. it, I think that's when there's a problem. Yeah. Like when you're so invested in this that it, be- like that's when I believe it becomes almost like an idol. Like when you can't, when, when you have to be so serious about it and like, I don't know, it's the only thing you're talking about all the time it's but. it's like last night we was coming home from our um supper and it was what a wonderful time we had we we me heather miss gretchen hannah and ethan we call him husband um <laughs> we were we went to cave city and ate with miss renee alderburn uh, philip trent and Dwayne kid and all their wonderful spouses it was an amazing dinner oh, amazing night cap um cracker we barrel. cave city cracker barrel um, I had the homestyle fried chicken. Okay. It was great. But we were on the way home, and we saw this one yard decked out with Christmas lights. It was pretty. It was, they did a really good job. But there was a nativity scene in the front, and then Santa was flying behind. And I said, well, at least Santa's behind Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so. Um, I got to say, though, there's these, like, shirts going around that has Jesus but it has a Santa hat on top of the S. Huh? Like, like it spells Jesus, like the letter Oh, I got you. But, and it's like Christmas decorated, but it has a Santa hat on top of the S. Like I didn't the know Jesus. they made Santa hats back then. So, no, no, it's just like the word Jesus no, I being spelled out. So I, it's like mixing it. So I don't know about like mixing it. Yeah. Is that kind of what you were saying, I Jason? I kind of, yeah, be careful about that. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't particularly like the pictures. Of Santa Claus coming to the manger and kneeling down. No, I no. just don't. I don't dig them too well, um, but I, I don't know. Yeah, 
I, I don't either. I just thought it was funny because the manger and Jesus, Santa was flying behind Jesus, and I was just like, well, at least Jesus is behind him. <laughs> I mean, in front of him. <laughs> but no, I agree. I, didn't, I do think it's important to explain things to your kids, like how Miss Gretchen yes. was talking about. And everyone is probably going to parent a little bit differently, so it is it is important to honor other parents, honor other kids, and stuff like that. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back here after the break with more on Box 2 Radio here on the mornings. Hold on. More with mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. There we go. All right, we are back here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. First Monday of every month, we are blessed and honored to have Brother Jim Waters from BIPS Bluegrass Institute here in the state of Kentucky. He always keeps us up to date and apprised to everything going on locally in this state. So, Brother Jim, are you on the phone with us? I am, but you sound really faint. <laughs> really uh, let far me, away. Let me fix that. Is is this better for you? There we go. <laughs> All right. Now you can hear yeah, us out. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. Yeah, it, we're doing good. Yeah. Thanks for. Um, yeah. Thanks for uh, doing that. That's easier to hear. So. Good. Good. All right. Yeah. Well. Um. So. Yeah. So. How's everything going in, in your world and this in um in Bips and all that going on over in that part of the state? Well, you know, we um, since we talked, we had an election here. We did remember, <laughs> um, and uh, so you know, um, when we last talked, we thought the polling was indicating that uh, Daniel Cameron was was pulling um, tight in that race and had a chance to win it. But it turned out that he uh, he really lost it by you know by a pretty significant amount. Uh, so. You know, we have work to do. Um, I think that, you know, we need to, I think, I think Kentuckians need to be better informed about, uh, about what's going on. And, and I'm, that's why this program's so important and, uh, what you're doing so important. But, uh, but also, um, uh, I think that people forget, you know, uh, here's a guy who shut down businesses. He, he went out to, he sent out troopers to church parking lots to take down license plate number of cars that showed up on Easter Sunday at a church service. Um, he, you know, he just, he did all these things that I think people forgot about. So we, we have short-term memories. So I think, I think what we're doing is important to remind people of all that's happened and, and what needs to happen, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But, uh, but, you know, the Republicans had a big night otherwise. Uh, they won all of the other statewide constitutional offices. Uh, right. I was going to ask you about that, Brother Attorney Jim. Including Attorney General. So, yeah. Brother Jim, uh, Jason Miller here. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So w- why do you think that that it has happened, the last two election cycles that I know of? The mm-hmm. the Democrat wins the, the governorship. But well, the, the other Republicans so, dominate basically every other race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In fact, Michael Adams, who uh, won re-election as Secretary of State, got the most votes of any candidate, including the gubernatorial candidates. Right. And uh, 
and and he sounded very much like he might be considering a run for governor uh, in the next in the next round, which would be twenty twenty seven. In his speech, he sounded that way. But uh, back to the question, we thought that what happened with Matt Bevan was that you know Bevan just um, kind of was his worst own own worst enemy yeah. in terms of. Uh, his some of the timing of the things he said and the way he, the way he responded to some situations. So we thought that was the problem. Uh, but here, I just honestly think that um, you know, I think Daniel Cameron did a good job of nationalizing this race, of tying uh, Bashir to to Biden and to the National Democrats, and he did a good job of highlighting the social issues. But he missed some opportunities. Uh, he really shied away from talking about school choice. Uh, he missed an opportunity to address crime. And, you know, those two issues in, like, suburban Louisville or suburban Lexington are very important to those voters. And he lost uh, by more than 100,000 votes in Louisville. And he only got, he got less than 30,000 votes in Fayette County. And he lost by 45,000 votes. So I think he missed some opportunities to talk about issues that would have pulled some votes away from Bashir in those areas. I think he was afraid of being, uh, I think he was so concerned about trying to say, I'm not Matt Bevan, that he, that he really went too far the other way and, and failed to capitalize on the opportunities. Because, you know, for the first time in history, I mean, we have more Republicans registered in Kentucky than we do Democrats. And so you would have thought that that would have meant that Cameron had the advantage. Uh, but it turns out that Bashir really thumped him pretty good on election night in the vote totals. And, you know, in Warren County, for example, um, Daniel Cameron lost Warren County. Republicans should not be losing Warren County. No. Conservatives should not be losing Warren County. Uh, but he also lost in some places, in other place, key places, some northern Kentucky places, so uh, and a few other places that he should have won. So, uh, you know, I think that you you have to you have to um, not be afraid to address real issues in Kentucky. I think he, I think Daniel Cameron. I don't think he had a problem of likability. I think he was likable, and he was. Uh, he had a powerful story to tell, sure. uh, but I think he, I think, I think he was risk averse in some ways. I think he was afraid to deal with some of these issues. Yeah. So, one uh, listener is wanting to know. Speaking along this, this is in context of what you're talking about, brother Jim. Does um, do you think that if Cameron would have addressed the abortion ad stronger, that the election may have gone a little different? Well. I think there was some frustration by pro-life voters, and I heard some of this directly firsthand. Uh, that they, I think, the bigger problem was that he appeared to maybe waffle on that issue with them in their eyes, uh, in in some ways. So I think that was a bigger problem than whether he addressed an ad directly or not. Uh, I think the bigger issue was that you know he took a firm stand in the beginning, and then uh, and then got quite a bit of heat for his position, and, and uh, seemed to try to walk some of that back. 
to maybe get moderate votes. So I think that I think that was the problem on that. Yeah, when are we going to learn that that never seems to pan out? <laughs> it never works. No, that's a great point. No, it never works. Yeah. And uh, and it seems like every never, politician it, that tries to walk back a, a strong stand, they just end up alienate. Alienating two well, different two different groups instead of just one. Right, right. Because what happens is, well, it, what happens is it, it 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 raises questions about your ability to govern and to mm-hmm. lead. Yeah. And so I think that was the issue. Now, um, you know, um, you know, Matt, one thing about Matt. Bevin, I think, and the reason that he won election in the first place, one of the primary reasons, is that he absolutely did not do that. Right. Uh, he did not walk back his positions. He he stated what they were, and he also understood that, you know, Republican governor gubernatorial candidates in Kentucky are not going to get the support of certain constituencies, no matter what they say or do. Right. I mean, they're not going to, you know, Planned Parenthood is not going to support a Republican. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the teachers' unions are not going to support yeah. a Republican That was candidate. the first one I so, thought of. What's that? I said that was the first one I thought of, the uh, the teachers' union. Yeah. But, you know, also, you know, so Bash- Andy Bashir was heavily supported by by both by both those groups, mm-hmm. uh, Planned Parenthood and then the teachers' unions uh, big-time supported him because he's he's been in their camp. So, you know, and... and I would say, too, that with next year, we're going to have a school choice constitutional amendment, most likely, on the ballot. And for the Republican gubernatorial candidate to shy away from from addressing that, I think, is a mistake politically. Um, and and because, you know, you can, you can tell from looking at the other statewide races, as you pointed out, and also from the legislature, we have... You know, Republicans and conservatives have a supermajority in the legislature in both houses that, you know, the support is there if you'll take a stand. Uh, but he just couldn't, he couldn't inspire enough Republican voters. And I, I think, and also I think it's, you know, concerning that, I mean, there were Republicans who voted for him in this race. Um, you know, a lot of older people like his crackdown on COVID. They felt like that was government keeping them safe. And so they had a different perspective than younger voters had on that. So, or, or other constituencies had on that. So, but, but, you know, again, we have more Republicans registered in Kentucky than Democrats. Should a Democrat be winning the governor's race by eight points? I don't think so. Right. I don't think that should be happening. No, no, it shouldn't. Uh, uh, you know, when, when, Bevin, when Bevin ran the second time, I'll just make this point, you know, he also walked back on some issues during his administration. So a lot of people felt like it was because of the Mitch McConnell influence on his administration. And that didn't turn out well for him either. He lost. Right. So, yeah. I, like you said, when are, when are we going to learn? Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that's a good point. I had one other question um, about school choice. I... I heard a, a story this couple of days ago uh, that it looks like Tennessee and possibly Arkansas are really going to uh, push that that school choice issue. Um, are you are you hearing much from those states? And do you like what you're 
or hearing from those those particular states? Or uh, I do. Um, you said Arkansas, right? Yeah, and uh-huh. Tennessee. Yeah, exactly. So, we, so what's going on in those states is that you know in the past school choice where it's been passed has been has been limited in many right. respects, and uh, it's been limited to certain groups of people like. Those who are, you know, poor, lower income, uh, those who, um, you know, that it's been limited to, you know, to, to try to get things done politically. That's how it's had to be done. But now we have several states that have passed what what are called universal school choice bills, and that means that school choice programs that are available for all parents or most parents, no matter what their incomes might be. And this is something that we should be pushing for uh, because education dollars should be for the educating of children, and parents should have more say in where those kids are educated, no matter what the size of their paychecks are. Uh, Certainly, lower-income parents, we think, should definitely have that opportunity. But, you know, uh, when we're talking about freedom, I mean, you know, education freedom, just like political freedom, just like religious freedom, uh, should be for everybody. That should not be limited. So what those states are doing, they're moving in that direction. And what will happen next year in Kentucky is a constitutional amendment that will really remove what has been considered to be a constitutional barrier against any school choice programs here. So I think it's possible seeing what these other states are doing, especially states around us like Tennessee, like Indiana, uh, like West Virginia, uh, who would have thought a few years ago that West Virginia would have a universal school choice bill? But what we're going to see is that Kentucky may go from being having the least amount of school choice in the nation to having the most, to having a universal school choice bill if we remove the obstacle. And that's the big if. That's where the big fight's going to be. Sure. And believe me, the teachers' union oh, and yeah. The educrats and the bureaucrats, they know what's at stake here. They know that. Right. And since um, um, Huck, uh, since uh, Governor Huckabee Sanders, you know, in Arkansas has right. become governor, um, Governor or, or President Trump's former spokesman, uh, isn't she impressive? And I'll tell you, the left uh, really uh, despises her. Uh, they really attack her. I can't... You know, I'm on email listservs of left-wing teachers' union um, uh, advocates and, and bosses and and uh, lackeys, and and they and she may be one of their top targets, really. Yeah. Um, and she has done a great job there, and uh, she is she's not um, you know she's not letting any grass grow under her feet either. She's right. gotten a lot of things done. So you know, it's, it's, it's odd how the I'm sorry. What's that? I said it's odd how that uh, the left, uh, when there's a conservative woman that uh, gets <laughs> elected yeah. or uh, reaches prominence, yeah. they seem to <laughs> to think that she's wrong for the job. You know? Yeah, and and uh, they don't celebrate her know, femininity. <laughs> you know what's a hoot? And I and I don't have, the lieutenant governor in uh, Virginia. Who, who's an African American woman who's been so impressive, you know, yeah. um, and her, and she's been a big supporter of, of education freedom, and and of course she's gotten the 
uh, attacks of of the left. And uh, so it's, uh, you know, I think it's it's really going to bring some things to the surface here in Kentucky in terms of of this fight for a constitutional amendment in next year. And uh, I think you're going to, uh, and, and that's why I think the governor's race was so important. Uh, Winston Sears, by the way, is lieutenant governor of Virginia. Oh, Very impressive. Yeah, yeah, I've heard him. Um, but, um, you know, I think uh, one of the reasons why this governor's race was so important, perhaps one of the prime, the major reason, uh, was, was this constitutional amendment battle we're going to have next year. So, because Bashir was reelected, he'll be out there waving, uh, waving the flag for um, defeating this amendment. He'll be fear-mongering. He'll be talking about how this will destroy public education and and how it's and, and you'll probably even hear charges about how it's racist or different things. But uh, but the fact is, all these other states have done this now, and not only has it not destroyed their public education system. It has improved it. It has improved in many of these states, and they're actually spending less money on public education but getting better results in states like Florida or uh, Arizona or some of these other states. So his fear-mongering is going to be a big problem for us, but we'll have to overcome that. Yeah. And uh, we'll have to get people out to vote on this. Sure. You know? yeah. so. that's, a, that's good. Uh, yeah. So what's, what's going on in the world of BIPs? You know, well, um, of course, uh, I'd, I'd um, encourage you all to go to our website sure. at bips.org, B-I-P-P-S.org. Yeah. I have two more recent columns on there, um, and uh, one of those is on the need for certificate of need. I think we talked about that before. Uh, but the other is about the um, use of, of ESG, or this social uh, wokeness when making decisions about investments and and uh, how some of these big financial institutions are have gone woke in their decision making. But we make the case that if it's, for example, in the state retirement system, the state pension system, where they're investing uh, beneficiaries' dollars, and they're handling taxpayer dollars, that the major goal of investment decisions should be to. Uh, reap the greatest financial benefit for the beneficiary. It should not be about political campaigns or political causes. And this is important in Kentucky because um, any of our smaller banks and financial institutions have been intimidated by the Biden administration to quit making capital available to uh, to coal mining companies, for example, or to fossil other fossil fuel operations uh, because of this ESG um, uh, approach toward in, in investing and toward loaning. Mm-hmm. And so they be, so this has become an issue here that uh, that you know coal mining operators can't get the equipment they need. Uh, spinoff industries or related industries are having challenges because of this. And uh, so, you know, we need to, we felt like we needed to take a stand on this. And uh, uh, the legislature has made some progress in uh, requiring, or in prohibiting, I should say, investment advisors, or or those making decisions, rather, investment decision makers in the state pension systems from using this ESG as 
as a guide for in, for investment decisions. And instead, the guide is to be what is going to be the best financial return for the client or for the beneficiary. And, uh, you know, and then this ESG you know, wokeness is, is all is all really an attempt uh, to really get rid of fossil fuels, to get rid of our energy. And uh, in this column, too, we talked about now that some of the large utilities, even in Kentucky, including LG&E there in Louisville, that uh, they wanted to close some of their um, units, coal-fired units, and, or, or um, you know, change them into renewable units. And there's a state law requires that they have to show that this will not be harmful to their customers and that their customers' rates will not go up. And uh, we didn't feel like they had done that, so we took a stand against that. So that's the yeah. that's the most recent column um, on our website. It's called Energy, One of the Three E's of Kentucky Campaigns. And, of course, this was written during the campaign. Sure. And Governor Andy Bashir, who talked a big talk about coal and, and energy, uh, refused to take a stand on this issue. So by doing that, he really opposed what was right. Right. So... Imagine that, a left-wing Democrat refusing to take a stand on a controversial issue. What a shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that seems a, a, a problematic position for them because they try to, to uh, you know, latch on to the, the coal unions and all that. But, uh, and then the left wants yeah. to push the electric stuff. And, you know, I don't know. It just, that seems <laughs> to put them in a quandary. Yeah. <laughs> well... Senate Bill 4, which was passed last year, and it was Senator Robbie Mills, who, out of Henderson in western Kentucky, who ran with Daniel Cameron as his running mate. Mm-hmm. But this was his bill, and it required it requires utilities to show that if they want to close one of these plants, it won't, uh, not only will it not increase rates uh, for customers or for rate payers, but it also won't affect the uh, reliability of energy, you know, right. and uh, that it's not going to cause brownouts and it's not going to cause a lack of supply. So uh, that that was an important bill that got passed in the last session. Yeah, that's good. And uh, yeah, so uh, but but I think uh, and so the Bluegrass Institute um, uh, will be next year working on on the school choice amendment. The next time we talk will be. The legislature uh, will begin, uh, depending on um, when we talk, if it's January 1st. Well, it won't be January 1st, I assume. <laughs> but, no, uh, I don't th- we don't uh, plan on being here on January the 1st. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the next time we talk, the legislature will be back in session. So it's yeah. it's amazing to think that we're back to that point already, but right. that's where we're going to be. Okay. So. And uh, tonight, uh, just to note, I'm participating in the forum on school choice in Louisville. It's not open to the public, but um, uh, I appreciate the prayers and thoughts in this. It's going to be, there's going to be opponents there of school choice, and uh, and it, it should be an interesting discussion. So as we work on this issue, uh, let's just pray that the Lord will open doors and, and uh, will confirm his word with signs following right. <laughs> his promises yes. know, to us. Well, Brother Jim, tell us how um, tell the listeners how they can get more information on BIPs and where they can find the articles that you write and the blogs and all that online. 
Yeah, you can go to BIPS.org, B-I-P-P-S dot org, and uh, Bluegrass Institute for Public Policy Solutions. And you can find it there. Uh, look under the blog, under the dashboard on the, on the front page of the site, and also look under Bluegrass Beacon, which is my column. And you can read past columns there. There's lots of, there's lots of material there. So take advantage of it. Be yes. informed. Well, thank you so much, Brother Jim, for coming on. We always appreciate and are well-informed by the time it's finished. We thank you for it, sir. Thank you. Have a great week. You too. All right. Great morning here. God is good. We're out of here for this day. Going to make room for Miss Renee Alderman to come here and preach a little while. And then we have, um, let's see, who else we got today, Roger? Right afterwards. Help me out here. Where the Spirit Leads. There we go. Where the Spirit Leads is today. Um, Daryl Robbins is on today. we got a full morning coming up here, so stay tuned here on the Box 2 Radio Network for some great word to go forth. Love you guys. Be blessed. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network.